Hello, I'm Joan Kenley, welcoming you to The Joan Kenley Show, bringing you conversation radio, where talking really matters. Today our topic is why gratefulness matters. In fact, gratitude and gratefulness are two intrinsic human qualities that can bring our personal lives more joy, peace, meaning, and ease, and more love in a world that is troubled at so many levels. Gratitude can be the key that unlocks the fullness of life turning what we have not into just enough, but into abundance. It can change denial into acceptance, chaos into order, and confusion into clarity, transforming problems into gifts, failures into success, the unexpected into perfect timing, and mistakes into important life learning. Gratitude can help us make sense of our past and bring personal peace into our daily lives while creating a new vision for tomorrow as well. I can express a lot of gratefulness at this very moment for the pleasure of having Dale Byron and Linda Larson in our studio today. They are both on the board of a network for grateful living known as ANGEL, which is spelled A-N-G asterisk L, a worldwide nonprofit organization and community dedicated to gratefulness as the core inspiration for personal change, international cooperation, and sustainable activism in areas of universal concern. Their extraordinary website, gratefulness.org, has received over 6.5 million visitors just last year alone. And Dale Byron, I want to introduce you to, is co-founder, along with Judy Bergio, of Core Action Associates, Inc., a consulting firm in Marin, and he's also a dynamic speaker, teacher, and poet, focusing his interest in the practical, no-nonsense use of world-class poetry and stories in our everyday personal and business lives. Linda Larson's master's degree is in English literature from UCLA, where she graduated Phi Beta Kappa with departmental highest honors. She is a member of ANGEL's Board Development Committee and is committed to expanding the gratefulness movement. So welcome to you both. And Dale, tell us a little bit about your work in the world and what brought you to the Gratefulness Network. Well, I'd love to. And first of all, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today and to talk about this subject, which I have a lot of juice for. Yes, you do. Um, You know, I think there are a couple things. And one, the portal for me into gratefulness was the subject of poetry. That's part of it. And I know we'll talk about that some today. But it was also a dear friend, as as it always happens. You know, there's often a dear friend that's somewhere in the works. And for me, it was a, um, a friend named Gary Fidel, who's also on the board with us uh, and has been involved with gratefulness, the gratefulness community, and Brother David for many, many years. Well, Gary and I would have lunches, and he would tell me about this amazing uh, Austrian monk that he had been studying with for many, many years and uh, who had taken workshops with. And I knew a little bit about it. In fact, Gary, I always get a kick out of it. His license plate actually says grateful on it. Oh, so. I do love that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so uh, he's, a, he's a sort of a walking poster child for the movement, I guess you could say. And Any, how many years ago was this? That was, I would say, um, I knew about Brother David maybe for 10 years or more, mm-hmm. but just bits and pieces. And Brother David is a whole subject in itself, isn't it? <laughs> we, we could do three shows. Uh, on Brother David. Yeah. So we'll get more into his of background course. later. Of course. So um, the thing that I was going to say is that Gary had mentioned 
uh, Gary knew that I loved poetry and had been involved in the poetry for many, many years. And he said to me uh, something which was just too enticing. He said, you know, we're thinking about um, formalizing our community a little bit with a new website. Uh, this is seven, eight years ago, I guess. And he said, uh, would you be interested in being a some kind of poetry editor for us? And I went, oh, why not? I said, yes. What? what <laughs> yes. What's first. not to say yes to? And then what do I do? Yeah. So um, so that's really that was the start of it. And for uh, a number of years, um, I was uh, the, uh, the the title, I think, was poetry editor at large. Very good. So that was my that was sort of my uh, my entry into it was. And your work before that is as a consultant, as we've said before. But what were you focusing on in your consulting and teaching and all the other things you were doing, keynoting? Yeah, thank you for that question. Well, actually, you know, uh, the the great poet uh, Robert Frost said, "As two eyes make one insight." Mm-hmm. And he was talking in a poem about how we bring our avocation and our vocation together, sure. which was his life's work, as he as he said it. So for me, being a longtime, uh, what I call, um, integral coach and also working in the change and transition field for organizations and leaders and et cetera, et cetera. So what was fascinating to me is that the, my, my avocation being poetry and also a little piece of uh, – the martial arts, Aikido, okay, which yes. I've done for many years, is that it all began to coalesce for me because they all are ways to stay awake. Yes, indeed. All are ways to pay attention in a fierce way. Uh, and that's what's required when we, an organization or a leader or a team, goes to change. So, so yeah, what's interesting is I've seen that my avocation and my vocation have wonderfully begun to merge. And that's everybody's dream. Isn't it? For sure. And Linda, we're hoping that that's what uh, happened to you as well. So tell us a little bit about your story. I know you are a teacher as well as many other things in your life. Many other things, yes. And um, actually, I was very happy in my life, and I was enjoying my work, and I was enjoying the people I was working with. Uh, At the time I met uh, Brother David, I was working uh, in business. I was working in sales administration, and I'm a great group of people. And uh, I went to a seminar without even knowing uh, who Brother David was. Uh, I was very, very busy, and I had... Well, tell us a little bit more about... Now we've really piqued our interest about Brother David. So getting connected to Brother David, what is he all about so we can let our audience in on that? Well, I think that you have to experience Brother David. And uh, the experience of Brother David is that he is so uh, tremendously um, devote and so tremendously uh, able to practice gratitude. And uh, just his presence has a transforming effect. So he's a teacher. He's a teacher. He's a hermit. uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, He spends uh, a lot of the year in seclusion. He travels all over the world. Uh, I don't know if he's that we should ask him if he has frequent flyer miles because there's probably <laughs> many of them. So he's uh, this absolute uh, miracle of a person who is uh, able to go into the depths of seclusion that he needs to be to be a good teacher. And um, he is also able to go out into the world and relate so beautifully uh, to other people. So uh, he uh, I had not uh, intended. 
I hadn't intended anything going there, and it was a, a quite a miracle to have met him. His a tremendous interest in, interest in poetry, which had been my entry into what I would call a spiritual life and a spiritual journey. And so it was just a wonderful circumstance that I met him, and that was 12 years ago, and I've been practicing gratefulness ever since. Uh, and uh, loving it, and it takes a while. you got to work at this. Definitely it is a practice. It is a practice. I was just going to say that one of the things, in a very, very practical sense, Brother David does not come to all of our uh, board meetings just for various reasons, but he comes to as many as he can. And often, my experience is, is that we will get, you know, as so often, anybody who's been on a nonprofit board knows. <laughs> I'm on get, one myself. <laughs> exactly. It can get very intense, and how are we going to do this, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, Brother David often will just sort of stop us, and just uh, oftentimes he'll say, well, why don't we go around the room and just see what, we're, what are we grateful for? You know, or he'll ask a very, very simple question, which uh, oftentimes seems to really get to the heart of things. Yeah. So it's, 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 a, it's a sweetness. Without question. And when you look at this organization that was founded, I guess, some eight years ago, a network for Grateful Living, who actually founded this network, and how has it evolved over the years? Well, uh, <clears throat> Brother David founded it, and he founded it with uh, Daniel Ivanovich, who is the webmaster, and it was a time when uh, uh, Brother David had gone into some seclusion, and he had practiced gratefulness and written about gratefulness and had found that gratefulness was the common ground that could unite all religions, people of any faith and people of no faith at all. Gratefulness was a principle that was common to everyone, and so they uh, had the idea of attempting, and I think they've done it very well, creating a sacred space in cyberspace that would be welcoming and inclusive and welcome everyone so that people could come into this world of gratefulness that has so many beautiful flowings out uh, from it. So that was in, they went uh, live on the website on Thanksgiving Day in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And it started very, very small. On every page of the website, you could feel Brother David's presence. He hand-writ the haikus that are still on the website, and they're very, very lovely. Haiku is a very special form of poetry. Of course, of course. Uh-huh. And uh, so Dow, as you said, Joan, we have grown to uh, this point where we have 6.5 million uh, visitors in one year. Well, it's so exciting to see something so purposeful grow, something that isn't connected to any one specific belief system, but that can actually infuse an, any system of religion or any system of belief and any place you want to go with your belief. And I'd like to mention also people might not know that the Random Acts of Kindness movement has been going on for 15 years and dovetails very well with actually being grateful about things. And in U.S. News and World Report, they mentioned that in 1993, Bakersfield College professor Chuck Wall gave his students an innovative assignment, commit one random act of kindness. One of the students then paid his mother's bills. Another bought blankets and distributed them to the homeless. 
A third student gave a convenient parking space to a driver who appeared to be late for an appointment. The class assignment evolved into a grassroots movement, just as the gratefulness movement has evolved. And today, Wall suggests that one person can make a difference, as we all know, and notes that he's the proof. Acts that can be as simple as letting someone else catch the next taxi, holding the door for a delivery person, or buying a cup of coffee for a mail carrier. A really easy start, he says, could be showing appreciation with a handwritten note or even an email. So these are all great ideas of gratefulness, gratitude, and kindness, and we have much more to refresh your mind, body, and emotions. Stay tuned. We're going to have a rich conversation about the psychological and spiritual aspects of gratefulness. So keep listening. We'll keep talking. You found it, and it's different. The Joan Kenley Show. What's not to love about The Joan Kenley Show, where talking truly matters. Welcome back. I'm Joan Kenley, and you're listening to The Joan Kenley Show. We're talking today with Linda Larson and Dale Byron about why gratefulness matters, about the practice of grateful living, and the attitude of gratitude. True appreciation can help us see the world from a fresh point of view and actually create new patterns in our thinking and our behavior, saying, for instance, Thank you is more than good manners. It refreshes your mind, body, and emotions. It's also good spirituality. So I'd like to focus our attention on the psychological and spiritual acts of gratefulness and aspects of gratefulness and gratitude. And we know that any new steps we want to consider need a practiced sense of self-awareness, paying attention to our feelings, thoughts, words, and deeds as we go about each day. Well, a network for grateful living that Dale and Linda are both involved in has a stated purpose to provide resources for living in the gentle power of gratefulness, which restores courage, reconciles relationship, and heals our very earth. It's also focused on creating a global network of people who practice the art of life as gift, and I just think that's said so beautifully. So tell us more about this purpose and just how you'll go about providing a set of practices and tools for cultivating gratefulness as you see it happening around you in your lives. Well, you know, um, I think ultimately that the practice of gratefulness really does, Joan, as you say, get down to the the nitty-gritty daily kind of practice. And, um, of course, you know, we're going to be loving people to go to our website and check it out. There's tons of things that we'll talk about, of course, uh, in terms of resources. Sure. But I can just tell you that for me... Um, it has evolved, but I can tell you, like currently. So my current practice, I I um, I am a, a writer, uh, and, and I write every day for at least some period of time. And uh, within the last year or so, I've taken on this practice, which is trying to again to integrate, to incorporate gratefulness into my writing and into my life. 
And so I will generally start by just I put a little G and an I on my on my journal, and the G stands for what am I grateful for today? Okay. And uh, that list could go anywhere from uh, from trees to the color green to my wife to the cats. I mean, it, it it's whatever is in my uh, on my radar screen that yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's simple. Sure, it is. But it seems to help. Well, that's really a good influence to take into our hearts here because any reflection of what somebody else does adds to our consciousness. And we can be inspired by one person or a group or many or even, as we were talking about, a website. But we have to be committed to taking that step forward. I mean, it's like I know a woman who has had a dog for seven years, and she got the dog so that she would take the dog for a walk. Now, seven years later, she still hasn't walked the dog. <laughs> so intention is a wonderful thing, but we have to put the intention into action. So tell us a little about how you, Linda, look at a practice that helps you open the door to gratitude and gratefulness. Well, I think that two very important things in my practice are, one, are making some time for silence, making some time when there is no noise, when there is no input, and uh, just letting the silence be. Uh, another, uh, and that's something that's very difficult. It's hard for us to do, you know, to stop the inner noise. But it, that is a practice, and you just commit to doing it every day. It's a kind of, it's a meditation, or, or you don't reverie. even have to call it that. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can call it reverie. <laughs> right. The other, the other thing that I hel- think helps very much with gratefulness is um, mindfulness, and that is. When we're not in silence, when we're doing things, having conversations, washing the dishes, cooking, driving, whatever we're doing, that we do it consciously. And uh, just uh, slow down a little and be very, very aware of what it is uh, that we're doing. And I do it sometimes when I'm doing, especially chores I'm not particularly happy about doing, like cooking or washing the dishes, or maybe I feel way too busy to have to do something like this. But just being mindful with it calms me, slows me down. I find that uh, after all, I did have time to do it, and Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, much happier. And I think that those two uh, things are very primal in my practice and I think that they, what they both do is they create the space for the inner gesture of gratefulness. And that is uh, something rather subtle, but once you start practicing it, you start to feel it. And it, uh, and it oh, is a felt thing. It's it not is an a idea thing, thing alone. It's That's a mind, right. body, soul, spirit, everything. Yes, well exactly. And so when you think of it, I know that I've had clients uh, that have come to me who have said, I just have really a terrible life and everything happens to me in a negative way and when I get on the bus you know everybody's negative and when I go to work everybody is negative but you see that person is expecting negativity so they create it and so I made a suggestion that this person smile at everybody she (laughs) saw and everybody that she met and just did it all day long and she came back to me the next week and she said I'm astonished. Um, I had a good day. (laughs) And and it is just as small as that. Smiling at someone, even though you don't feel like smiling, 
uh, that old fake it till you make it kind of thing, because you can have a toxic atmosphere and it really affects everybody around you. And you can actually pull them into your world, your negative world, if you have that power. And you want to know that that's actually toxic and actually gets into the body, not just the mind field, but the body field mm. and the whole atmosphere of a house or an office or a place like that. So, you know, what are some other little things that people might do to sort of wake up to this? I mean, uh, if I wanted people to work on their voice, I would say once an hour check in with what you're noticing, you know, or set your watch or put Post-its up. So what are some things that you think are wake-up tools or practices? Well, I think a wonderful wake-up practice is along the lines of what you were talking about. When you find yourself angry, when you find yourself irritated, when you find yourself uh, resenting something that's happened, uh, it's a good time if you can stop it, and that takes practice to do it, to stop it and say, is there another way? Is Do I have another to feel way is a that good question. way? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes just asking that question is, uh, or if you're sad or if life isn't what you want it to be, all of those negative emotions that none of us want to have and all of us do have at times. Well, sadness sometimes is appropriate when there's something to be sad about. So let's also say that this doesn't mean it's a broad leveled leveling field for just being happy and joyful all day in an unsincere or or not appropriate way. But it's, for instance, inviting people to say to you, are you sad today or, or is something troubling you? Are you okay? So that there is that openness to be truthful about what's happening. If you're grieving about a loss of a pet or an argument with a spouse, that's real. But you can also be grateful that that person is allowing that feeling to happen and to process it and so forth. And it's about putting other sensory perception into the field, too. It's, it's well said. I was just going to say quickly that one of the things that, uh, that, that does come out of the work with Brother David is he says so nicely, I think, um, that either something is available, something happens and we can be immediately grateful for it, or we can be grateful for the opportunity to change it or shift it or sure. hold it in a different way. And you know, the trick of that is, is that then everything is uh, in the realm. <laughs> Either you're grateful for it directly or you're grateful for the opportunity to, to change it. To change it and to learn from it, too. Yes, yes, yes exactly. Well said. Well said. And, and even the opportunity uh, to be grateful for it, we, we, we tend to think that we can be grateful for this wonderful thing that happened. However, are we really grateful? We don't always slow down enough to let it in, to appreciate even the small things. And life is made up of such small things. Even the small things, we have so much that just taking the time to focus on what is right before our eyes right now and truly let it in and truly feel its abundance. Exactly. And we'd like to sort of bring up the fact that we know in life's ups and downs that uh, people sometimes get into such a hardship place that they really don't know how to shift and move it along. And some of us have teachers and some of us have groups and some of us have networks. But what if somebody really doesn't have the tools? What would be a good thing for them to know? Hmm. Well, I think Dale touched on it very, very much, that if if we can get to the point where we say all of life is gift, and this is straight mm-hmm. out of Brother mm-hmm. David, all of life is gift, some of it uh, we 
think we don't want and some of it we think we do want but all of it is gift and so starting life is gift just life there. is gift <laughs> just just yes. opening your eyes just you know then then that starts the point that instead of resisting it we're accepting it and once we accept it then we can decide what to do about it and most of the time when we really accept it it's it's wonderful we can be more aware and awake about it sometimes we have to accept it and it's not so wonderful and that's where the opportunity comes in because you can't be grateful for the terrible things that happen in life you can't be grateful for it in losing someone losing a life who's close to you or a serious illness but it's important that we start practicing being grateful for all the good things in life and then when we get a gift that is not what we would think we could be grateful for the actual gift like a serious illness then we're in practice and we can say okay what is the opportunity here um i mean i almost hesitate i mean how do i have the audacity to say that but yet what are the other choices in life it is a given and the more we accept the more we can make our relationship in a way that is uh life affirming for us and that's a creative practice well all that you've said is so inspiring and it can be said that only with gratitude can life truly become rich from an internal sense from a felt sense from has nothing to do with the externals and we can promise more rich conversation after a short break we'll talk about how poetry music and prayer can affect gratefulness brother david whom we've been talking about said love wholeheartedly be surprised give thanks and praise then you'll discover the fullness of your life good advice and we have more surprises in store so don't miss what's next we'll be right back the joan kenley show talk radio your way back to the Joan Kenley show. I'm Joan Kenley and we're having a stimulating conversation about why gratefulness matters. Coming up we'll be looking at the role that music, poetry and prayer play in the transforming power of gratefulness and gratitude. Bob Dylan said that the highest purpose of art is to inspire. What else can you do? What else can you do for anyone but inspire them? So we're continuing our inspiring conversation about gratitude and gratefulness with our guests Dale Byron and Linda Larson. They both serve on the board of directors for a network for grateful living, which is a worldwide community dedicated to gratefulness as the core inspiration for personal change, international cooperation, and sustainable activism. Well, that's a good way to talk about activism. Their mission is to build up and expand their interactive website, gratefulness.org, as the focus for a global community of people whose spiritual practice is grateful living. I recently attended the wild and wonderful Poetry of Gratefulness Benefit Evening at the Herbst Theater, where Dale expertly emceed the whole evening. Drew Dellinger, a recent guest on our show, was part of the program, along with Coleman Barks, Roger Hoosden, and Jane Hirschfield. The event also featured Brother David Stendelrast, whom we've been talking about a bit before, and Joan Halifax Roshi and Lynn Twist. Annette Kander, 
Adam Levine and Jeffrey Gordon provided the musical dance that surrounded the poets, the words, and the audience that night, and we're so grateful to have Annette's music featured on our broadcast today. Dale, I think this would be a perfect moment for you to share your thoughts with us about an integral approach to poetry fits into the realm of gratefulness and how we all experienced it that night. Well, first of all, thank you for those kind words, and it was wonderful to have you there at the event. Um, I guess I'd have to step back to a few words that had me absolutely stunned about 15 years ago uh, from the great poet William Carlos Williams, who is the, our great uh, pediatrician poet from New Jersey. And he said uh, in a very long poem, he said, My heart rouses thinking to bring you news of something that concerns you, that concerns many men. Look at what passes for the new. You will not find it there, but in the old, despised poems. It is hard to get the news from poems, yet men die miserably, yet women die miserably every day for the lack of what is found there. Oh, lovely. Mm. Amazing, amazing lines. And um, I think, uh, first of all, when I first heard those lines, I thought, that person must be crazy. And you did think that? <laughs> I thought, who could say such a thing uh, that you could get your news from poetry? But over the years, as I have fallen deeper and deeper in love with poetry, I have begun to imagine poems as really the pack mules of the art world. And That's a great phrase. Well, I think so. You know, yes, I, I, I never would have had that picture in my mind. It, it does give you an image. That does it? It, it yeah. gives you an image. Uh, because they have the capacity to do many things for us at the right time. They can heal us. They can provoke us. They can uh, calm and soothe us. There's so many things that they can do. But primarily, and I think how one of the ways it relates to gratefulness, is that poetry wakes us up. I was just thinking that, the same thing. It wakes, mm -hmm. us, it wakes us up. Us. Yes, indeed. And that's what we were talking about. You can't have a practice of gratefulness unless you're awake. That's right. <laughs> and so poetry right. is a doorway to lead us toward more gratefulness for ourselves and others. That's, that's absolutely correct. You know, it's been said that poetry is the art of hearing ourselves say things we did not know we knew. Mm. And uh, in that sense, I think it is um, uh, that practice um, is... And, of course, as Brother David mentioned that night, um, you know, in terms of um, surprise and the art of surprise. Right. And mm -hmm. I thought when I first heard him say, God is surprised, I thought, just what is he talking about? So what did he explain that night? Well, you know, uh, of course, when I asked him what does poetry uh, on stage that night, what does poetry and gratefulness have to do with one another? I don't know if you noticed, but he lit up. Yes, he He just did. lit up. And, uh, and, and later when I said, well, what would you, what's the one thing that you'd have somebody do? And he said, well, it would be one word. And he talked about surprise. And he talked about being in Africa for a year in very humbling conditions where there was no running water. And he said that when he got back to Europe and he turned on a faucet, that he got, was so surprised by that water that came from the faucet. And he said that surprise has not left him. Mm. And so he, he, and the next day when I was doing my own journaling, I said, similar, Joan, to the note you made, but I said a little different. I said, my religion is surprise, mm. which is the way I began to integrate. So then his term was God is surprise. And so this is so wonderful to put a different lens on it. And yes. since we're talking about that, how do you, Linda, feel that prayer 
can be related to the aspect of gratefulness and gratitude? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, we've talked very much about how uh, poetry, gratitude, is comes from being alive and being awake and how poetry can awaken us. Uh, actually, Joan, I have a, a poem by Mary Oliver that uh, talks about prayer. How perfect. Yes, and it's from her book, Thirst, and it's called Praying. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Well, of course, that's a beautiful prayer, isn't it? Is it is a beautiful prayer, and, I mean, the key words are pay attention. Sure they are. Um, so, in, in a way, true prayer, not prayers, but true prayer that she writes about here, uh, is gratefulness, and gratefulness is prayer. And some groups of people who are spiritual in their path talk about being grateful to God or grateful to Buddha or grateful to whomever as the way of connecting to that source in you that can expand the heart and can expand the spirit and wait for that moment of silence where you can actually feel that you are in a prayerful condition of being grateful. And then that gives you an invitation to the universe to pour love back into your heart because yes. what you give out does come back. Yes, it does. And that's that beautiful dance of the giver and the gift. The giver and the gift. It, it's so well said. And I often think also in this territory that we're talking about is that um, there, the big emotions that we have in our life, whether they be the fierce kinds of emotions around a loss, a death of a loved one, um, the big emotions that we um, uh, encounter in our lives require big language. Yes. You cannot do it with small, puny language. And I think the thing that we love about poetry, and particularly not just the words, but the music of the poetry, uh, and um, is that we love that big language. And the music during the poetry evening that we all par took part of was such an incredible addition it was spontaneous and it was with each poet in a different way and Coleman Barks almost said I'm going to break out into a square dance here and with the way and <laughs> that it was going and it was that everybody was in tune there was an attunement with the music and music can affect our neurotransmitters our emotions it can heal it can lift our spirits and so that night with the music and the poetry coming together it was as if we were in a living moment of raising the level of the room, raising our spirits, raising our souls into that dance that was happening with words and music and opportunity. It's, that's so well said. Yes, it is. And, and music, music is its own language. It doesn't use words. Uh, and yet when poetry is really poetry, it uses words, but they don't matter. It's creating, it's creating its own kind of music where uh, mm -hmm. instead of 
we can look at poetry, we can look at the words and use our intellectual mind, and of course we have to, but it takes us beyond our intellectual mind, and that's what music does so directly. And, and the, the vibration of the words, the sound yes, of the exactly. voice speaking the words, are part of the music of the words, and that's, that's where you can let the words wash over you, through you, and let just the vibration of the sonic part of the words come into your being. Yes. It, it's so true, and, and the, the music that the listeners are hearing today uh, at, at different points from Annette Cantor, who was there, yes. um, was so stunning. They All the musicians were, uh, but the, it was so stunning that I was getting this emotional kind of reaction. You bet. To just... You know, I mean, probably I was having a high from the whole event. Why not? <laughs> you were up there on the stage with all these wonderful energies. And I have to say that Maya Angelou is a favorite of mine as a poetess and a person. And she said, I try to live what I consider a poetic experience. That means I take responsibility for the air I breathe and the space I take up. I try to be immediate, to be totally present for all my work. And, well, we could say we're trying to be totally present for our audience here today. And let's all just take a deep breath here in the studio so we can stay present for some great suggestions about how everyone can connect to gratitude and gratefulness in their life. So do stay tuned. Ready for more? Dr. Joan Kenley continues in a moment. Log on to joankenley.com, that's K-E-N-L-E-Y, to learn more and listen to archived shows. friends and family to listen to the Joan Kenley Show. I'm Joan Kenley and you're back with the Joan Kenley Show and we're talking about why gratefulness matters, about the absolute fullness that can be found in gratefulness. Years ago, Oprah encouraged her viewers to keep daily gratitude journals and this was maybe the first time ever that a national invitation was made to any viewing audience to take part in such a practice. And it certainly created a wave of focusing on gratitude throughout the entire country. It was really a very big deal. So as we get back into our conversation, I am so appreciative to have two guardians of the gratefulness movement with us here today, Dale Byron and Linda Larson. We previously mentioned and highlighted the important work of the organization they're involved with, a network for grateful living, known as Angel, A-N-G, asterisk L, and what they're doing on their website, gratefulness.org, which has six and a half million visitors in last year alone. So that's a clear indication that people are craving the resources that will allow them to connect with the power of gratefulness. It's so powerful. So let's talk about what can be found on the website and some of the featured links that our audience would want to connect with on gratefulness.org. Well, we have a, a very rich uh, website. I Probably our most popular feature are the candles. You can light a candle on our, on our website. They stay lit for 48 hours. Uh, when I lit my candle this morning, there were over 14,000 candles still burning. 
and they That's were really from, nice to know. Yes, <laughs> yes, we get, we get comments all the time from people saying, "Thank you, thank you. I don't feel so alone. Mm, I'm thank sure. you for the support." And the candles, you can also create your own uh, group of candles. So you can, if uh, friends want to communicate with each other, uh, they can create their own special group. Uh, you can leave a message. Uh, you can just light the candle. Uh, without matches, may I without say. Without matches. <laughs> yes. And uh, <laughs> yes, some people say a candle on the internet, mm. and I say, well, try it. You might, like you it. might like it. <laughs> <laughs> I so think it's a fabulous popular. idea. Fabulous idea. From the safety of your own home, connecting with others, and knowing so many others are in your morphic field. Because we say just changing one thing about yourself or lighting one candle really affects a whole lot more than you can imagine if your attention and intention are in that direction. You know, it's so true. Uh, and speaking of the candles, we get many, many wonderful letters and emails to us telling us how people use the site. And I recall a woman who was writing about a, um, a community that had gathered, actually an international community between New York and Canada, around, unfortunately, around a young boy who uh, had cancer. Mm. And she had written uh, and said to us that this uh, young boy had gone into remission and then had cancer, had come back, and he actually ended up passing away. Mm. But what was so interesting about it is that she said, Every time this community would go, uh, they were sort of gathered around the site. They would go, they would find a poem, they would light a candle, they would do something, and that it gave them strength. Now, what are you going to say about a four-year-old child that dies? There's, no, there's nothing to be said about right, that. Right. Uh, and yet, we were, those of us who are involved are so pleased to be there. And she said that um, it, was a, it was a great calming and healing effect for the entire family. And I think lighting candles in the same way about gratefulness. We're so grateful for that child's life, that he had the, the, the four years that he had and that his parents knew him and the family knew him. And so we always want to be mindful of the fact that we need community. In whatever form it takes, we need community. The community of poetry is so important, and the community of grateful living is important. And, in fact, on the website, there are videos that you can get or download or get a playlist of spirituality and practice. And there's a gratitude page. And the science of gratitude is linked up there and how people can focus on their relationships with gratitude from Ann Chan. And Deborah Miller, for instance, has a gratitude journal that is a 30-day interactive course to take you on a journey of personal inspiration with gratitude as your guide. And there's another one. David Miller has one called Finding My Religion. And so these are resources that layer into the really multiple focus that the website has. And I know that we were talking earlier that you have e-cards on the we, website as well. We do have e-cards, and, uh, and, and people find that to be very joyous with, with just the whole pleasure of the, the pictures and the writing of the e-cards, et cetera. And, but, you know, Joan, I wanted to bring up a, a particular point, though, that often we find that people are brought to our site um, in, in sometimes in difficult situations, a grieving situations. I would imagine. Or, and also there is, I think, the lucky of us to be brought to the practice through grief but have joy take us off into uh, a future. Absolutely. And we, we see that as well. Well, if people were mm -hmm. going to Google some words to find your site without knowing that 
it's gratefulness.org. What kind of words, if you were grieving, would you put into Google to try to find your site? I mean, I just thought of that right now, but I was thinking if you put in help for grieving or if you put in community around Well, we'll have to go home and try that. (laughs) That's a great question. That's a great question. That is a great question. Certainly, if you put anything around gratefulness, gratefulness. you'll get there. But that is a good question. We'll have to. We have to learn how to use our search engines. So we're all exploring here today. I was sure that putting the word gratefulness would get us to you. But I I think that when people are searching, uh, you have to sort of refine how you feel when you're in the search. And probably if you're grieving, you might not think to put in gratefulness. And so also, true. maybe your website should put in some of these things that connect them back to the gratefulness site so that people can, can find us. Can find you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> here I'm doing a little tech talk here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, earlier we were talking also about the word for the day that's on the site. Can you uh, tell me about that? Yes, well, you can uh, access the word for the day in two different ways. You can sign up and have it come in your email. Oh, really? Or you can go on, yes, I recommend it. And (laughs) you can go on the home page, and there's a special button that you uh, click for word of the day. And it's one of my favorite features. I have get an email every morning with that. And I have a little book that I keep. And not every day, but the days that it really, really touches my heart, I write it down in this little journal that I have. And that's a journal that I will often take with me if I have to grab something to take on a trip or um, you don't want to take a heavy book. And there's all these beautiful words to read. So, Oh, I love that idea. It's, it, it's very nice. It, it's a great idea. And I would say for, for those of us, and who is not in this boat, who are inundated by so much email and information, that the word for the day is almost never more than at two or three sentences or, or, or a, one line. And so it's very easy to digest. And at the same time, I want to also mention that there are many, many wonderful essays to read on the site and other things which, as your appetite, as your taste buds mm. begin to uh, warm Salivate up. Salivate Exactly. <laughs> There's plenty to read. Well, yes, that's I- the whole idea. And really, I think that we are in an information age that gets us to so many wonderful places, but I want to remind the audience, if you don't have a computer, you can go to your library and get on the site, too. Yes. Or you can go to an Internet cafe and look up the gratefulness.org site because we don't want to limit anybody from having access to what's going to be fruitful for them. Absolutely. And the the beauty of the site is that it's a very beautiful home page. There's much that you can just see right on the first page. And it is immensely deep and rich. And it's just fun to explore. It's like going to a country that you've never seen before. It's not uh, so intellectual. You go in and then you follow your heart. You can go so many, many places and find uh, beauty and inspiration well, I did find that to be so, though I hadn't gone to all the layers. It's certainly easy to get around and very inviting. What's the Angels of the Hours about? Oh, that's a beautiful feature. It has uh, beautiful, it has chimes from churches all over uh, Europe. It has chanting. Uh, the It's the liturgical hours of the day. And uh, it's actually Brother David and two or three of the monks from his home monastery who are doing the chanting. Mm, lovely. Uh, it is very lovely, and there's a beautiful message and prayer up, and it 
you can go on to it. I sometimes go on, and it could be night, but I may want the angel of the hour of noon. I just feel like I need her. Oh, and that's the beauti- lovely. The beautiful pictures from uh, Fra Angelico are up there, the beautiful pictures of those angels. Uh, it's uh, very, uh, very nice. It's just, uh, it, it is so rich we don't even have, we don't even begin to have time to talk about all the beautiful things. And you have a calendar with special people and events having to do with gratefulness and so many other points that people would want to know about. But if you were going to say just a few words from your heart about what you would like the audience to be left with, Dale, what would you say? So I guess, I guess I would go back to what was one of the things that was said on the stage at our poetry event, which is um, to cultivate the habit of surprise, mm-hmm. of delight and surprise, uh, to be surprised by your very thumb, mm. to be <laughs> surprised by uh, the food that you have for lunch. Uh, because if you're in that territory, you are in the territory of gratitude. And the surprise that you're alive from this moment to the next one, really and truly. Yes. yes. And what would you like to leave the audience with? Hmm. I think what I'd like to say that it, it, it takes courage to be grateful. It takes courage to practice gratefulness. It goes so against the dominant culture of complaining and finding fault and resenting and resisting that it takes courage to to have this attitude of gratitude. And so I would say, have the courage to start, be gentle with yourself, go slowly, and enjoy. And enjoy. So with that in mind, I would say I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed having both of you here today. I've loved the subject, loved the program, loved having you here. So thank you so much. Thank you, John. Thank you. We've loved it. And Mary Oliver once asked the question, what will you do with your one wild and precious life? Well, certainly today's program has offered many ideas to gratefully consider some new answers to that very question. It is so easy to complain or zone in or zone out, but it's good to remember that growing your gratitude has an abundance of rewards. (laughs) 